This episode brought to you by Cafe Imports, Minneapolis-based importers of fine specialty green coffees, independently owned and operated since 1993. Cafe Imports has been dedicated to decreasing its impact on the earth through renewable energy, carbon neutrality, and by supporting conservational efforts in places where quality coffee is grown and also where quality coffee is consumed. Where does your coffee come from? Welcome to the Lake Superior Podcast. I'm Walt Lindela. And I'm Frida Wara. We are made stronger by story, and there's no better source than the continent's largest body of fresh water, Lake Superior. So join us as we highlight the five national parks that ring this greatest of the Great Lakes, meet the people, tour the places, and learn about the projects that make these parks and body of water so remarkable. This podcast made possible with the support of the National Parks of Lake Superior Foundation and Media Brew Communications. I'm Walt Lindela. And I'm Frida Wara. Welcome once again to the Lake Superior Podcast. Today, Frida, we are talking about an event that you and I both have gotten to know very well because of our work with it, which is helping to do the start of the UP200, the Midnight Run, the Sled Dog Championships. And this is one that's really you have been even more involved than I have, and this is quite the thing. Well, you know, it all goes back to, did I ever tell you what my favorite toy is? No. It's snow. (laughs) It really is. It makes everything fun. Now, yes. I know right now there's listeners going, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. But when you live on the south shore of Lake Superior, and it is the most amazing, amazing snowmaker on the planet, and it's going to dump on you, you may as well go out and have fun. And that's what this is about today, is we're going to be talking with Ross Anthony. He is a board member with the UP Sled Dog Association. He's also a treasurer, and he is the start-finish coordinator of the UP 200 and the downtown Marquette activities. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different things that tie into it, but uh, hopefully we'll give our listeners a chance to learn a little bit about the UP 200, what this event is, where it is, and what it's all about. I mean, this should be some fun. It is so much fun, to tell you the truth, Walt. And the guy, I'll tell you, he is the most energetic bunny he must have. You know, he's got a little suit with a little, you know, tom-tom drum there somewhere. Because the work that Ross Anthony does, and let's get him happening right now, telling us, how is everything shaping up for the UP200, Ross? Oh, it's good to be back, first of all. Yes. We took that year off, and... You know, we, we had to postpone to 2022 and, um, you know, unfortunately weren't able to run like so many other events in, in 2020. And I think we're ready to be back and, um, better than ever. So it's, it's shaping up. We're full speed ahead and it, it feels good. It was refreshing, I think, to have the year off. Unfortunate that we couldn't do it, but I think we're all really excited to be back. Well, let's talk a little bit about the UP200, the UP200 Sled Dog Championship. For those that are not familiar with it, what is what happens during this event? What goes on? Well, first and foremost, it's a sled dog race. We've got teams that come from all over, I'd say, the continent. We've actually had a team that came from South Africa at one time. It's a premier sled dog event, and it's it's on. There's um, there's a number of premier sled dog events in the United States, and obviously. Everyone knows about the Iditarod. It's it's probably the most um, publicized and, and well known. 
Um, but before these mushers get to the Iditarod and they get to that level, they have to prove themselves. And the UP 200 is one of those races where um, you can essentially prove yourself, qualify for the uh, Iditarod race in Alaska. And, um, and really it, it brings a great community event to um, Marquette and Elder counties in the upper peninsula of Michigan. Ross, how did Marquette get to be that launching pad for this amazing race? Well, it's actually a twofold, and I don't know the complete history of it. Pat Toriano is kind of our, um, she was the, the race coordinator for years, and we call her the queen. Um, and, and she really has, has did a lot for the race um, and is still involved in the race. But um, the Mining Journal was a big piece in, in getting this race in Marquette. At the time when it started, we had a big, a lot of mushers in the area. Uh, it was a larger group um, because of our vicinity and our ruralness and uh, availability for snow and in trails. Um, we had a lot of mushers in the area, so that group got together and said, "Hey, we're going to have a snow dog or a sled dog race." And the Mining Journal got behind it, and it just grew and changed and morphed. And um, you know, here we are. What are we at now? Thirty years? Thirty? Twenty? I don't even know what we're at. 27 years, I think. Somewhere um, in there, yeah. 1990. Yeah. Yep. 1990 yeah. was the start. 1990. 1991. Yeah. 1990. Um, and so we've we've morphed now into um, it's not just a sled dog race, you know. And at, at the beginning, it was, and it was a it was a way to show off the UP and get mushers out and use this beautiful snow that we have. But it's morphed into it's now it's a community event you know it is a it is a focal point of the winter in in marquette and elder counties you are you know a board member with the organization the up sled dog association your treasurer you are the coordinator excuse me of the start and finish of this what is it that brought you into it what appealed to you (laughs) about getting involved well i kind of i kind of fell into it um by accident actually it's a funny uh, Fell it initially. I was in between jobs and went to pick my checkup at the Holiday Inn the weekend of the race. And Woodsy, uh, Pat Woods, who's um, closely affiliated with with Pat Toriano, said, "Well, we'll put you to work. You want to volunteer?" And I said, "Well, I've got nothing else to do. I'm not working." <laughs> and I ended up handling for a team that year. I drove the truck and I handled. And I really like talk about being thrown into the fire. I knew nothing about mushing or sled dog racing or any of that. And I got thrown into handling and I was hooked. So, you know, since then I've, I've, I drove for a few years and then, um, got pulled into the, the start finish with Mike and Angela, um, Sholin, mm-hmm. who used to do the, the start finish and they've moved on to trail. And, um, the thing with it that keeps you coming back though, is it's, it's not just a sled dog race. It's not just a community event. There's so many different facets and it means so many different things to so many different people that this thing happens. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm making it's, it's my contribution back to the community. Mm-hmm. Like you, there's not that many things. I mean, you can only do so many things to give back. And I feel like being able to continue this event is my, my contribution and it's fun. It's not work, which, which is big because if it's not, if it's work, then it's, it gets old. 
I have to say that this event since 1990 changed my life because I found, even though I loved to be outside and I loved winter and I loved snow, it wasn't until I was in the company of mushers that I realized, man, there is some tough folks out there. <laughs> and it is a sport where men and women compete equally. There's no age. There's no even economic status because right. sometimes we've had mushers come to the line that are very, very wealthy, but because of their job, they might not get as much time on the runners. And then there's the folks that are just scraping by and feeding that dog yard of, of hungry animals out there and they've got the time on the runners. So it's just the most amazing event. And of course, that's how for me, I ended up going to the North Pole because you hang around with some mushers and you learn about what you can do when you're traveling with dogs. And I think that's the other aspect of this, Ross, share with folks that are just saying, so you put on this event, but the logistics of making in what's the exact mileage? I think I've heard 260 miles because the dog teams run from Marquette through the whole eastern Marquette County and into Alger County, they're traveling through pictured rocks, which is why this is really mm -hmm. an important event for the National Parks mm -hmm. of Lake Superior Foundation to definitely um, be able to, to, you know, share and then back. So, I, I mean, that's a trail through some of the wildest country we've got in the Upper Peninsula. Yeah, tell us about the logistics of it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, um, and the trail varies, the mileage varies every year, depending on where we go and, and property owners and whatnot. But the logistics, if you think about it, total 240 miles, typically in that range, somewhere in there. Um, and Marquette to Grand Marais, we're traveling through, I think it's four different counties, actually, because we do dip down out of Elger County um, for a little bit. I think we're in Schoolcraft, I yep. think, and then... Um, um, I want to say a little bit maybe in loose when we get out to Grand Marais up on the, um, up in more towards the, the park actually. Um, but the logistics, the, the biggest logistical thing that people don't think about is there's roads, you know, as rural as the UP is, there's roads and there's highways and you can't just run 120 miles and not cross a road. I mean, it's impossible. You might be able to do that in Alaska, but you can't do that here. So from a logistical standpoint, it's lining up volunteers to be able to make sure that that trail is safe from here to Grand Marais and um, the road crossings are manned, um, you know, and we've got people there to make sure that, that everything is safe. Um, you know, it's interesting, too, another logistical thing that you don't think about in the UP is we don't have cell reception east of uh, Munising, so you get up in that park service area up there and the cell reception is a little bit spotty and you know we rely on cell service and cell phones so much these days and you don't think about it until you're in those areas and you have no service um so you know we we rely on ham radios still and sure. even in some areas the ham radios don't even reach um so we have a, another um form of radio that we use you know in the event that we're in a dead zone for the ham radios. So, you know, it's, it's 120 miles in a rural area, but it's still, you know, it's not ultra rural and we still have lots of challenges, but. And then of course, Ross, we have to let our listeners know that the majority of this race happens in the dark. 
Oh yeah, and and you know, sled dogs are 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 outside dogs. You know, and and they're running hard. And you think about marathon runners; they're not going to run a marathon in 100 degree temperatures. And um, you know, 40 degrees is the equivalent of 100 degrees for a dog that's got a jacket on and um, is is running as hard as they are. So a lot of the races run in the dark. Um, rural headlights are really the only lights that the mushers have. Um, and they're literally in the middle of nowhere. So we do have a safety plan, um, part of the logistics and we know all the entry points and the exit points and, um, and, and in case something does happen, but these mushers are tough, you know, to go back to your comment about the mushers earlier, um, we see it these days on uh, on TV. There's all these shows about Alaska and living off the grid and mountain men and you know Alaska, the Great Frontier, and 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 it's kind of sensationalized in in television these days. But when you really meet these mushers and you see what they go through, and to do that and to actually live that life is nowhere near what you see on on TV. <laughs> and and they're survivalists. I mean, they really. Are, and they have to be because if something goes wrong, even though we have all of our plans laid out, the greatest safety plan in the world, they have to be able to survive if something goes bad out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night. In um, you know, I love that it's a, I, I love that it's a population that you can can't complain to them about anything <laughs> because if you come up to a mushroom and you no. say, I'm cold, I'm tired, I'm frustrated, I'm hungry, I'm sore, I'm broke, uh, you know, they're going to look at you and go, welcome to my world. So, you know, I mean, um, this is truly, I think that's what hooks us all. Walt, I'm sure you agree with it as well. Yeah. We are in the company of some people that take us out of our comfort zone and show us a whole new level of living. Well, one of the things that's always struck me with the UP 200 and this effort is not only the fact that it is what it is, a 200 some mile sled dog race, um, but it is, as Ross, you've been saying, it's a community event. There's community and, and a lot of people may not be familiar with what actually happens with it. You are the start-finish coordinator of the UP 200. It starts in Marquette with a fairly unique. I mean, this is something that brings thousands of people to downtown Marquette. Frida and I have been emceeing this thing now for uh, 20 years plus. And, uh, you know, it is a great start. But tell us a little bit about from your perspective, uh, Ross, as a board member of the Sled Dog Association, as the start finish coordinator, when the communities Marquette, Grand Marais, Alger County, Marquette County, the National Park Service, everybody comes together to make this happen. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, every year it's the same thing. You know, we start or we start the day after the race ends. You know, the previous year planning. It's it's a 365 day planning. I mean, we never quit. We maybe take a, a week, a month off in July or something. But um, the communities that are involved in this for us, it it is a premier event, and it's something that. Everybody knows is coming. They count on it. Grand Marais is the prime example of that. The entire town of Grand Marais comes out. They have snowmobiling in the wintertime, which is, you know, that sustains a lot of their business. But this is the weekend, and Grand Marais just comes out, you know. And, and typically, when people think of Grand Marais, it's either snowmobiling or 
you know, summertime, you're going up there to, to visit and camp or, you know, spend a day on the water or whatnot. But this day for Grand Marais means a lot to the entire community. And it, it, it symbolizes them coming together, you know, where everybody is involved. And it's, it's not just the hotels. It's not just the restaurants. It's, it's the, you know, the senior citizens, it's the women's club. It's the, you know, it's everybody pulling together to make this thing happen. And, and that's just Grand Marais. Wetmore is the same thing, Munising. And then Marquette, obviously, with the start, um, gets the most attention. But really, attention aside, because of the Friday night start, which is amazing and wonderful and full of energy and gets people outside, those smaller towns, you really see it more, I think, than, than you even do in Marquette, because it's such a big deal for those towns. All you have to do is step in at a checkpoint, and you'll see... Because this is running for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. It begins Friday night. Well, the race starts Friday night. Of course, there's the banquet Thursday night where we get a chance to meet the mushers. And it's really special because some of these mushers now, the race is old enough that it will be the sons or daughters of some of the original mushers that are out there. Mm -hmm. And you'll see some dog teams that are also bloodlines from previous winners. And that just makes it really exciting too, because it's, they're not fur covered snowmobiles. Absolutely. And you get to those checkpoints and the demand that a checkpoint has to have to, you know, at Grand Marais, the guys that are out there with their snowblowers making enough little areas for dog trucks to pull in because Grand Marais is also the turning point, and that's where most of the 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 rest over time right. that mushers will take will be at the Grand Marais checkpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. know, and and Ross, when you coordinate this kind of stuff as an organization, you need volunteers. And I wanted to ask you about this. Make sure that we get this in here uh, at least once or twice through this. We're talking with Ross Anthony. He's a board member with the UP Sled Dog Association. Start-finish coordinator for the UP 200 Sled Dog Championship. Starts in Marquette and finishes in Marquette. Um you have been in, with this group, but these checkpoints, these these road crossings, all of these areas run on volunteers. What is the process if somebody wants to not only find out more about the race, but wants to become a volunteer? Tell us a little bit about how they can get involved. Yeah, we're actually in the process. I think this week, I think it's going to go live. The um, volunteer sign up on the website. Um, first of all, our, our website, up200.org. Um, is a wealth of information. Um, we try to throw as much out there as we possibly can for both spectators, volunteers, potential sponsors, um, because we, we can't run without money. Um, so we also need sponsors and um, the, the community. That's another piece of the community that steps up year in and year out. Um, but volunteering, I've, I've always found that the best way to, to experience something is from the inside out. Um, whether it's just one year or two years or yeah, you can go to an event, but like, are you, do do you really know the event until you've like really dove into it or you done something from the backside? And, and, and that's kind of what happened with me getting involved and, and I just wanted to know more and granted I got put on the spot, but at the same time, it was an opportunity to say, yeah, I know nothing about sled dog racing. This thing's been going on in town for how many years? what's this all about? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and 
you know, the, the Iditarod is another example of that. And a lot of their volunteers are spectators. You know, they want to be involved. They want to know more about the race. And it's a great way to not just view the race, but to experience it and to be a part of it and um, be a little closer to it than just watching it. And we really, this race runs on all kinds of people and all kinds of volunteers. You know, it's like somebody that says, well, you know, I'm kind of a night owl. And that's probably where (laughs) Ross is going to say, well, let's see, maybe you should be out there at the Rapid River Truck Trail from eh, maybe two in the morning till five in the morning. Mm <laughs> when I the love, wind's blowing sideways yeah. at 40 below and they yeah. do, they, you know, that's the best part about this is the people come and say, I'll help. Yeah. I'll help. I'll help. And then, and then from there, well, what do you do? What, what do you, what are you good at? What are you interested in? Mm-hmm. You know, and someone will say, Oh, I went to camp. You know, I'm a camper. I'm a winter camper. I'm like, well, age 58, there's a corner and it's super remote and mm-hmm. it's hard to get in and out. So we need you to winter camp out on age 58 for the weekend and man that crossing. And yeah. some, we always get one. Yeah. Um, but it's, it goes back to the, that logistics question and it's not just a sled race, the sled dog race. It, it's, you know, you don't just jump on a sled and run a trail. Right. Um, there's so much that goes into it that, that you need different types of people. You know, it used to be run by mushers. We had a board that was full of mushers, but now we've got, um, you know, we've got people from all walks of life, a couple mushers, um, and, and you have to understand sled dog racing, but at the same time, there's so many different pieces of it that you need that expertise of all those um, other people, the logistics of getting permits. Mm. We can't just run on these trails. Right. We have to get permits to right. run on these trails that run through these different property owners. And Angela Sholin, who's, who does trail, I don't know the number of permits, but I, I, I say it's in excess of 60 to 70 permits or that she gets signed from property owners, um, including the Hiawatha National Forest, Pictured Rocks, National Lakeshore, um, you know, all of these areas that we run, we can't just trespass. Right. So, you know, it goes back to canceling the race in 2020, well, it would have been 2021, 2020. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the ability to do a lot of those logistics and all those things that we needed to do to be able to make that race happen because there were so many unknowns at that point. So, um, we need all kinds. And I, I, like I said, if you're interested, come out and we'll put you to work somewhere. And, (laughs) yeah. And I think it's, it's just a different experience. I don't think it's more fun or less fun than watching, but it's just a very different experience when you're involved in it and making something happen rather than just being a spectator. We're talking with Ross Anthony. He is a board member with the UP Sled Dog Association. It's about the UP 200 Sled Dog Race. It runs uh, from Marquette into uh, Alger County and sur- surrounding areas all the way up to Grand Marais through the Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore. It's part of our Lake Superior podcast today. Uh, you know, I'm hearing you, Ross, talk about this with, uh, you know, you've got a real verve for it, an interest in it. Has it crossed your mind to run this race ever? Have you ever thought about it? <laughs> Well, we're talking about logistics, so we might as well stick with logistics. Um, I I would love to. Um, I've I've kind of come across some opportunities here and there where you know possibly I might be able to run it. I have run dogs um, on a smaller scale um, before, and I've I've always 
kind of wanted to, and it kind of comes from what Frida said about being around these mushers and feeling the way that they live and, and their grit. And it might sound a little bit odd, but like, I want to feel that. I want to feel that pain <laughs> at the yeah. end of the race. Oh. oh yeah. Like when they come in and they can't talk or they're so cold, like, and, and it's like anything. I think, you know, I read something I, I, I did, Grand Island, or um, I'm sorry, Isle Royal this summer. So I was reading a lot up on Isle Royal, another national park that you guys um, highlighted earlier. And um, part of that, what I was reading, you know, leading up to that was experiences are not memorable unless they're slightly painful. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, it, and it, and it kind of hit home because, you know, my, it, it's the UP hundred, 200 sled dog race. I, you know, we've maybe sleep, you know, the board and the people that are really involved don't sleep much and it's tiring and it, it's a labor of love in a lot of cases, but you know, without that pain, I don't feel like it would be what it is now. You know, if I didn't tweak my knee a little bit while I was at our Royal, I don't think I would have had that challenge of getting through that mm-hmm. while, I, you know, and, and hiking what I needed to hike and get from place to place. And, um, I kind of want to feel that, you know, I want, I want that experience that the mushers have and, and, and we get it a little bit running the race and making it happen, but it's a different level. And, um, I kind of strangely want to feel that, um, and, and know what they're feeling when they come in and they can't talk to me at the end of the race because they're so cold or <laughs> whatever the case might be, or they haven't eaten for three days straight or you know, whatever that, that, that challenge or struggle that they're dealing with at that point when they come in. Um, and, and I think Frida gets it. Well, and you know, it's also so telling at the end of the race when after all of that and they come through and they finish under that gate and most often you will have a musher, whether they're the first place or they're the red lantern and we red lantern is the last place team. Mm-hmm. They will say, I'll talk to you in just a minute, but I got to go congratulate my dogs. Yeah. And yep. yeah. there and every, is everything we do is because of the dogs. Yeah. I mean, that's that. And everything yep. they do is because of the dogs. It, it's, it's hard for people to imagine. We have one or two, you know, we don't have a pack like they do, but imagine having, 20 kids that you have to put through college and feed (laughs) (laughs) and and loving every single one of them equally and treating them well. And, and, you know, the way that families that have large amounts of kids, they try to spread the love out as much as you can, but you're at some point, you know, it's, it's, it starts to affect you, you know, you're giving your dogs more love than you give yourself or your (laughs) kids more love than you give yourself. And, and that's, that's, mushers i mean that is 100 percent like what frida is saying when you get off that sled the first thing they do boom like they're right to the dogs right, right away right now one thing i do want to ask you ross here um is that you know we talk we talk with a lot of folks from the national parks around lake superior we talk about the lake superior experience and being around that area um this is a great way to experience that if people uh maybe they were first time visitor, let's say, what would you tell them uh, about the UP 200? What can they expect and, and where can you send them? So they find out more. So maybe they'll make the trip to come here for the running. Yeah. The, the website, up 200.org is a great place to start, but 
I, I've always told people, if you really want to experience this race, obviously the start is, is big. I mean, you want to experience that, you know, I think everybody that comes to the race should experience the, the start just because of it, it, especially for kids, it's just magical. There's something about it to see those kids. I walk up and down that road once or twice during the start, just so I can see that because we help make that possible and, and the kids love it, but you got to get outside of town. You know, you got to find, you know, you got to go to, um, you know, up on H 58, find somewhere remote, go to Chatham, go to, um, I think Grand Marais is excellent. Um, it, it's, it's not just coming to town, going to the start and then staying in town while the mushers are out. Um, you got to get out, get out of your car. Um, the section up on near, you know, on the lake shore up by Grand Marais, <laughs> excuse me, is absolutely gorgeous. Um, it's more conducive to snowmobile access because um, it is pretty remote up there. Um, but if you're a first timer, check the check the start out, and then we also have what's called the mush bus. Yep. Um, and you can get on the mush bus, and it will drive you up to Grand Marais with a couple stops in between. Um, there's a guide, and it'll basically take you up to the town of Grand Marais where the turnaround point is. You get to be able to experience that checkpoint in Grand Marais where they're 120 miles out of Marquette. Um, and then it drives you back to Marquette, and you can experience the finish, or you can kind of watch them as they come through um, you know, Harvey and, um, the Lakeshore again, back into Marquette, um, outside of those start and finish areas. Cause the start and the finish are points, but there's, there's so much, we talk about the journey all the time right. rather than the destination. And I feel like the checkpoints, the start, the, you know, Grand Marais, they're all destinations, but the real story and the beauty of this is the in-between. And if you can get out there and experience the in-between, I think that's, nature. I mean, that's, that's the UP. Yeah. The road so. crossings at Ackerman Lake and Rapid River Truck Trail and all those little areas where they're crossing those roads and they need the extra people there just to be mm -hmm. a safety net for getting those teams across and, and certainly mm -hmm. signaling to the musher, come on through, yeah. you're ready to go. But to be there Friday night is great. And then Saturday morning, I've had an experience where I skied the Ackerman Trail up as the mushers were coming toward us as the sun was just rising. And you get a feel for what it's like when these mushers have been traveling through the night. Mm -hmm. They may have left Grand Marais at eight or nine the night before, and they're traveling through the night and those dogs. And if you just have a little whistle and you hear those dogs, because you'll hear their harnesses, you'll hear they don't bark. A sled dogs bark like crazy before they're they're ready to go. But as soon as you pull that snow hook and let them go Friday night, it's silent. They're right. just on it. Right. But when you just hear that harness is jingling and you just do a little whistle or just do a come on and you can see they're so happy to have someone encouraging them. Yeah. You know, we all need cheerleaders in life and it's including <laughs> sled dogs. But, you know, mm. if somebody, you know, says, what can I do on that Sunday morning? You know, just have an extra dozen cinnamon rolls that you take out there and, a, <laughs> you know, a 
big old pot of coffee that you can share with whoever's been out there because the volunteers in the Upper Peninsula who will stay all night long, right. uh, you know, <laughs> manning a, a road crossing, they're going to need some love. Again, Ross, yeah. the website, what is the address so people can go there? Because there's all kinds of opportunities to volunteer, including, as Frida likes to say, being a hooker on Friday night in downtown Marquette, um, which, by the way, is... We what, should explain yeah, that, yeah, guys. What, 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 what is a hooker, at least in the context of the start of the UP 200? <laughs> well, our, our our most tenured hooker and probably the best hooker that we have um, on Washington Street in Marquette is is Louie, and he's... Um, He's older. <laughs> I, I, I hesitate. I don't know how old he is. Oh, old he's going to be coming expect- after you, Ross. Yeah, he's coming no, for he you. doesn't act like it, though. You'd never know that, that he was he was older. Um, but, yeah, hooker, hookers are um, integral in that beginning of the race because they actually get those hooks down on the um, – on the line these these are these are literally the hooks hold that, that they hold are that cast team iron serious it's, right? it's the parking a parking brake yeah and then release right. it and yep. go yeah you need to yep. see one up close though yeah. <laughs> yep. well all this yep. is all this is at the website again which is what up200.org that's good man that is just a pleasure to have you on today ross you've just given us a lot of information and hopefully encouraged some of our listeners from wherever that they might uh, look a little bit more into maybe they won't make it this year but come time sometime in the future to come check out the up200 here along the lake superior shoreline so we really appreciate your time today yeah i appreciate you guys having me and I, i i also think it's great what you guys are doing for the parks and Pictured Rocks obviously gets a lot of notoriety in the in the winter in the summertime um, because of the cruises and the lakes and you know the the visual side of everything. But the the land side of Pictured Rocks is is just as beautiful in the wintertime, mm-hmm. and it's something that I don't think has been highlighted as much. Obviously, we have the, the ice climbing and everything else that that Munising does um, with snowmobiles and, and winter recreation, but. I think it's great to be able to highlight pictured rocks in the in the wintertime because it is just as beautiful and, and I don't think as many people come up in the wintertime, but especially for those areas downstate, out of the area, if you don't get snow, um, you can almost guarantee that there's going to be two feet of snow in February in, <laughs> in the pictured rocks area. And um, the good thing is, is you don't have to live in it. You can just come and play in it and then go home <laughs> and you don't have to shovel. Yeah. Well, Ross, we appreciate your, your time today with us on the podcast, and thank you very much today, okay? Oh, that's great. Yep, I appreciate it. All Thanks, right, guys. we'll see you. Goodbye. <laughs> that is Ross Anthony. He is a board member and treasurer with the UP Sled Dog Association, also the start and finish coordinator for the UP 200 Sled Dog Championship in Marquette. It runs from Marquette over to Grand Marais in the Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore. And Frida, he's got me looking forward to it, you know, for another year, and he's right. It's nice to have it back and it is certainly an event worth checking out friday night february 18th downtown marquette book your travel as quickly as you can if you're out of the area and we've kind of spurred you to come have snow mush fun (laughs) (laughs) i think that's a good way to wrap it up right there we appreciate you all checking in uh, with us on the lake superior podcast again and uh, we'll be back with another episode really soon i'm walt lindela and i'm frida wara thanks so much for listening The National Parks of Lake Superior Foundation, NPLSF, is the only official nonprofit 501c3 fundraising partner of the National Park Service for all five U.S. National Park sites on Lake Superior. 
To learn more about NPLSF projects and programs, you can visit the website at nplsf.org or friend them on Facebook. I'm Frida Wara. And I'm Walt Lindela. Thanks for listening to the Lake Superior Podcast. This podcast made possible with the support of the National Parks of Lake Superior Foundation and Media Brew Communications. This episode brought to you by Cafe Imports, Minneapolis-based importers of fine specialty green coffees, independently owned and operated since 1993. Cafe Imports has been dedicated to decreasing its impact on the earth through renewable energy, carbon neutrality, and by supporting conservational efforts in places where quality coffee is grown and also where quality coffee is consumed. Where does your coffee come from?